Hey, everybody. Yavta Djurjevic here. I had a wonderful conversation with Carlos Davis. Carlos, actually, the way I got connected to him is he actually did some work for me at my house on my kitchen island. And, you know, we're just chatting and um, hearing his life story, et cetera, as he's working on it. I was like, man, this guy's super interesting. And the conversation we had was super fascinating. Everything from growing up in North Nashville, getting into trouble, joining the military, finding success there, d- dealing with bipolar disorder and and all kinds of other issues and, and becoming an entrepreneur and uh, really, you know, grabbing life by the horn. So the conversation was awesome. Uh, super cool guy, super enjoyable for anybody in Nashville who needs some work done, some granite work, quartz, whatever, Italian granite and marble. I mean, they're awesome. 1046 4th Avenue South. Uh, you can check out the website. You can hit the link below. Conversation was awesome. Again, I've really enjoyed doing this episode. Uh, it took some twists and turns that I didn't expect, but I think that's the most fun part about it. Uh, we did have to record it over the phone because he was at work. Uh, so he didn't have a, a quiet space where he could use a computer. So the quality's a, a little worse from a sound standpoint, but the content is, is awesome as always. So uh, check it out, folks. Check out the links below. Uh, give us a five star on iTunes. Hit the subscribe button. And here's the episode. to another episode Millennial Manhood. I've got Carlos Davis here. My name is Yav Sturgevich, your host. Carlos, for uh, folks who don't know who you are, give us, uh, give us a little bit of background. Um, well, I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, my grandparents raised me here for many years. Uh, I went into the military. Uh, when I got out of high school, I actually scored pretty high on the ASVAB test, uh, but for some reason, I chose a combat unit. Um, so I was infantry for about six years, um, worked a few construction jobs after I got out of the military, worked some sales jobs. I've sold everything from Kirby vacuums to frozen meat, to cars, to RVs, to granite, uh, among other things. Um, and I eventually just migrated back here to be with my grandmother who's, who's getting a little older. Uh, so I wanted to spend a lot of time with her before, you know, at her end of end of her days. Interesting. So you said you scored high on the ASVAB test, yet you chose an infantry unit. Like what? I mean, you were probably what, like what, seventeen, eighteen at the time? Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. what made what on earth made you choose to go fight infantry instead of work on tanks or something? Well, I'm I, I my family. I have a military background in my family. A lot of my uncles. We're in Desert Storm. My grandfather was in uh, the Air Force. He actually worked on Air Force One. He was a mechanic on Air Force One uh, back in his day. He helped build Air Force One back in the day. So a lot of history in the military and my family. And these guys were were hardcore guys. They weren't. They were hardcore guys. And I wanted. I, they, yeah. I looked up. I looked up to them. Uh, so I, I wanted to be like that. A lot of my uncles were drill sergeants. They they were combat veterans. Uh, Vietnam veterans. So um, I couldn't see myself doing anything but that to kind of follow in their footsteps. And plus the infantry, they were offering a $40,000 enlistment bonus. So at 17 years old, (laughs) 
they had the highest they had the highest enlistment bonus also <laughs> what year was that uh it was 98 nine, yeah 98 i mean yeah 98 that's a nice chunk of change yes yes and then when you get to your your permanent duty station they give you half of that up front wow yeah well, okay. So uh, let me guess. You saved all that money and used it use it really cautiously and uh. And, oh and yeah. Responsibly. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like most seventeen year olds, I was pretty responsible with my money. Not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I blew it all. Of course, I couldn't tell you what what I did with it at that age. Um, uh, I, you got you got to be able to tell me the dumbest thing you did though with it. Uh the dumbest thing I did with it was um. Man. I I mean, I guess it wasn't that dumb, but I spent a lot of money on on a car that I had. Mm. I spent like 5 or 6,000 dollars on an audio system for my car. Mm. But it it was I mean, it was it was extremely custom. Like they had to redo the doors. Um I had the, all the panels redone to fit these speakers to put on my doors. My dash was redone to fit tweeters. I had custom box in the back, you know, um, all the proper wiring and, and capacitators and lights and stuff in the back of my trunk. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had, uh, you had no money left over afterwards, but at least people could hear you around the block. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's take a step back. So you grew up, you grew, so you grew up in Nashville. I know you grew up in North Nashville as well. Like what was like, what was that like? What was growing up? Like, what was your childhood like? What actually, like, led you going into the military on the back end anyway? Um, well, I mean, to to be straight with you, I, I was I was making a lot of bad choices growing up in Nashville. I come, well, you know, to, to back up even further, um, my grandmother raised me because my mom, she had a drug problem. Hmm. And she abandoned me and my sister in Carson City, Nevada. Um, she took us there when I, my sister was three and I was like seven or eight and, um, she left us. So I took care of, I took care of my sister for a few weeks until we were picked up by child services. Um, at seven years old, I took on adult responsibilities in my mind. I was an adult cause my sister needed me. Uh, so, uh, my grandmother found where we were and um she worked with the mayor bill boner at the time here in in nashville uh during that time uh, the mayor was bill boner and she my grandmother had friends that were politicians that she went to church with she bowled with so she reached out to these people to try to locate her grandkids and she found us and uh we we moved in with her and she raised us until you know i went into the military but i mean during that time like i had i had a rough time because my mom left, I felt like, is this the world that I'm being dealt? Is this the world that I, I, I was born into? You can't even depend on your own mom to be there for you. Is this? And, and that's when I, I felt like I had a strong grasp on the true nature of the harsh realities of the world. Mm. So that that played a lot into how I interacted with people, how I dealt with people growing up. I had a lot of anger issues. Um, I was somewhat violent um, because of my past. Um, I grew out of that, of course, but during that time, those teenage years, up leading up until me going into the military, uh, my grandparents couldn't get a good control over me. 
you know, mm-hmm. not that I was just disrespecting them or anything like that, but, you know, if I'm outside of the house, I, you never know what, what would set me off. Mm. Uh, um, and, and no one could tell me anything because I, I, I felt like I was raising myself anyways. So yeah. I, I, I refuse to listen to any adults because I'm like, what, what do you know? Have you done everything perfect in your life? Have you made all the right decisions? Have you hurt anybody? So, and that was my perspective as a young man. You're like, you can't tell me anything unless you're walking on water out here, or, mm. you know, or parting the Red Sea. Um, so, uh, yeah. So my grandfather, he says, look, you can't be around here acting up. You're going down the wrong road. You're making bad decisions. You got to do something with your life. You're not going to stress me and me and your grandmother out. You got to do something. You got to go to college. You're going to the military, something. So I said, you know, I, if I go to college, I, I mean, I, I can't say that that's the structure that I need. I need something a little bit more stern. Uh, so I chose the military because I figured it, and, and I don't regret it. It did me good. Everything that I needed to get from it, as far as that structure and discipline, I got it. So that's interesting that you were self-aware enough to know you needed to go into the military. Well, that's something that I learned about myself and people. Like I said, from an early age, I learned a lot about people. I've been studying people for many years on my own. You know, no schooling, no books, no psychology books at all, just people in general Um, and what to expect from them. You know, people say what they're going to do, but some people never do it. Or, you know, they people act in ways that are not truly them. And and I've learned this. And I and I guess I, I've transitioned. I've transcended over the years several several times because I, I know myself. I know that um, I have a temper and I have uh, emotional issues uh, because of my past. So I have to be aware of this because I've made some pretty bad decisions in the past. Hmm. I made some really bad decisions because of, you know, um, I, I guess I want to say I had an effort attitude. So yeah. I, I made a lot, I made a lot of bad decisions. So I have to be aware of this. So I don't continue to make bad decisions. Like a lot of people do. A lot of people continue to make bad decisions, but they don't make themselves aware of it. They, they don't say, well, you know what? I got to change this about myself. I know this about myself. So let me change it. So how, how did you how did you do that though? How did you overcome the anger issues you described as a teenager? How did you overcome the effort attitude and the and the um you know the, the problematic decisions you were making? Like what was that catalyst? Obviously you mentioned going into the military, but what was that actual right. process like? Um well, uh I'm going to say that there was a lot of drug and alcohol use at that time. Hmm. Um and uh a lot of truth seeking. Um, and, and, and I say, this is my, my phrase. People, you hear it. People say the truth shall set you free. Mm -hmm. The truth of yourself, the truth of the world around you, how you affect the world, how the world affects you. I mean, in the broad spectrum of the truth, not just in general, in a, in a, in a vast broad spectrum of your life, the truth shall set you free. If you are true, if you are true in nature, true to yourself, you're true to the people that you love, honest with yourself. If you know you're a little effed up, if you know that, you know, uh, this pushes your buttons or, you know, this warms your heart, 
you know, stay true to those things hmm. and, and be, a, and that, that established, you, you established a sense of awareness as I have over the years. When I found, you know, if I look at those truths about myself and say, oh, okay, you know, sometimes you get a little down, you know, let's, let's try to take care of that. Um, I mean, I, I want, I got, I have bipolar. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with bipolar in the military. Yeah. So I, I struggle with certain things more so than most, than, than some people just like anxiety, stress, or just anger. I control it a lot better now than I used to, but, um, it is a struggle for me at times. So I had to work, I had to be aware. I had to work towards, um, correcting my behavior and my, my decision-making skills, my rationalization. That's so interesting because so I'll fast forward a little bit here. You know, you just said you, you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder and, and, um, in the military and there's certain things that you struggle with, especially like anxiety and things like that. Yet yeah. on the other end, like the way you and I met is you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner. You, you right. own a company here in town and then, and, and you did some work for me and that's how I actually ended up asking to come yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. How on earth are you balancing those things that you have to struggle with probably on a daily basis just to, yeah. because that's life with the stress and anxiety of running a business. And tell us a little bit about your business and what you specifically do and the, and the okay. care you take and, and, and doing well, a good job in that business. Well, um, aside from, you know, being diagnosed with bipolar and the issues that I have to deal with, I'm, I'm, I am, uh, I consider myself to be very intelligent um, I, I catch on very well, very fast. I'm astute, um, and I'm articulate. And I use these things to, to my benefit uh, to to learn and to move into positions. All throughout my life, I've used these skills that I've established my grandparents in the military and just life experiences to move myself into positions like this one, like with this company. So the mm -hmm. company is a – and and I balance it. I just, I just do the work. I love the work. So I, 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 what do you, how do you, I consume myself with the business to, uh, to deter my anxiety and stress. You know, if I feel myself getting stressed, I just do more work. I put, I, hmm. I, I redirect and connect. I re I redirect my anxiety or stress and then I connect with what I need to do. Or myself, hmm. you see, you see what I'm saying. So instead of me getting anxiety, having anxiety, or being stressed, I turn it around. Instead of using that energy to be anxious and stressed, I'm like, man, this is a lot of energy. If you've ever been anxious or stressed, that's you're you're exerting a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, your body is it's, it's physically is going through a lot of things. So I, I try to just channel that in a different direction. So that's how I handle that. I love the work. So I just channel my energy towards that. Now the business is, it's a granite business. It's been around for over 35 years. Um, I started with the company as a sales manager uh, with very little experience in the granite business at all. Um, but this uh, Italian guy, he gave me uh, a chance and I started running the, or not, I started working in the office uh, for about a year or two. And as I said, I'm pretty astute. I, I'm a fast learner. And I've always fast-tracked in every situation, the military, car sales. I was salesman of the year, selling cars. 
I, 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 I got promoted uh, faster than anybody in my unit. Um, I carried the guide arm for my unit. I, I mean, I, I held a lot of jobs, privileged jobs. So with mm-hmm. this job, um, we had one guy, it's a small company. We had one guy working for us doing all the cutting and fabricating in the back of the shop. Well, he quit. And the old man that I'm working for that owns the business, he came to me and he was crying. And he's Italian. So in his Italian voice, he says, Carlo, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to let you go because I don't have anybody here to, to do the work. We're going to have to close the doors. And, you know, that, that, that touched my heart because he, he's been doing this. He's an old, older guy. He's been doing this for over 30 years. Him and his partner who died three years ago. And that, that really hurt them because they were best good friends. So it, it kind of it, it touched my heart a little bit. My heart sank a little bit when he said he was going to close the doors at the fact. I mean, the business got so much history, and, and, hmm. and they, they've been around for so long. I, I couldn't let him do that. I said, Biagio, don't worry about it. I said, come back in the back. You show me a little bit here and there, and I'll, I'll do the work for you so you won't have to close the doors. So I've been doing everything. I've been running the business. He has a restaurant business that he goes to run at noon every day. He comes down to the granite business. He sits with me, helps me out with everything. I go over the daily uh, routine with him of what's going on at the business. Then he goes off to his his, uh, restaurant, and I run the business for the rest of the day. I do all the work by myself. I answer the phones. I deal with all the customers that come in. Um, And I've been doing this for all this year. I just started fabricating uh, stone countertops maybe seven months ago, and uh, I've done work for people who uh, have done got work done here before 20 years ago, and they said that the work that I produce is better quality than they've seen these guys produce 20 years ago. Mm. And I've only been doing it for seven months. So. Right. So the owner, I mean, he, he treats me like a son. He he saw the commitment that I put into the business. I'm the first one here, the last one to leave, the pride that I put in the work, you know, handling the, how well I handle the customers. And I mean, he, he felt like he, the business would be in good hands with me that I wouldn't not show up for work or, or, you know, take all the money and run. You know, I've proven to be trustworthy and, and dedicated. So he, he he sat me down one day and he said, Carlo, you know, I'm looking to sell the business, but nobody really wants to buy it. I think I'm just going to give it to you. Oh, wow. Right. So what do you think it is? I want to go back real quick to what you said about people saying that your work is better than what was done 20 years ago. Um I mean, I guess I'll just call it what it is. I have a very low opinion personally of tradespeople uh, right. on the quality of work that they do. Matter of fact, I think it's absolutely terrible. Most of them. Um, I've been I've been surrounded by people my entire life who are in trades. My dad built homes for years and years and years and years and years. It's it's a hard business. It's a hard job. It's not rocket science. It's just that a lot of them are trash. Um, but you do good work. I can I can speak for that myself. What do you think is the difference? Why is that the case? Um, because it's not about the money to me. I you know this falls into that truth shall set you free. I'll say this a lot. It's not about the money to me. 
you know, yeah, I, I, I'm, businesses are they're in business to make money. Yes, they have to pay their bills, they have to pay overhead. But for me, it, it's not about the money. You know, I want people to be happy. If I'm doing work for you, and and if you are paying me, it's whatever it is. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not trying to get rich off of say one customer. Like if I have a customer, they have a kitchen they want done. I'm not trying to charge them out the yin yang to get rich off that one deal. I'm trying to produce quality work, you know. And a lot of these contractors, it's about the turnaround. It's about uh, busting them out really fast so that they can get paid really quick and make a lot of money. So, and that, and you sacrifice uh, quality for quantity when you're, when you're trying to push out a lot of work to make that dollar, you're sacrificing quality. So if contractors would just take their time a little bit, focus more on the customer and making them happy instead of a dollar, there'd be a lot more quality contractors. Hmm. And, and something I learned in the military is you do it right the first time, you know, uh, because if you if you're in basic training, if we didn't do something right the first time, we probably had to do it ten times back to back. So if we didn't mop the floors or buff the floors right, strip them right, we'd we'd be doing that for for eight hours, <laughs> nonstop. Yeah, stripping and polishing the floors. Go and scuff. We go scuff them up, strip them, polish them again. So. You know, they kind of in the military, they try, they kind of instill in you to do things the right time, do it right the first time. My, uh, that's funny you said that. My dad has a story from when he was in the military. He was in the military in Yugoslavia back in the 70s, uh, early 80s. And he said uh, they would, uh, they would have these drills where they're, you know, shooting with these automatic weapons, whatever. I don't know the exact gun that they were using, but they would have to find they would have to account for every single shell that they shot. Oh my goodness. So at the at the end of the training. So if there was one shell missing, nobody was allowed to leave until they found the shell. He said like I think he said the longest they ever spent was ten hours looking for a shell. So <laughs> Wow. Dude. They were uh, they I mean, just the discipline that instills in you like you're gonna catch that damn shell and you're gonna put it in your pocket account for it. Right. By all means. <laughs> By yeah, all, or you're and, just not, or you'll never sleep again. It's pretty simple. That's right. Hey, it's pretty simple. But that's life. I mean, that that's life. You know, it's just not. We have this structure within ourselves. <laughs> you know, it's just hasn't been uh, implemented or instilled in our in our everyday lives. People are complacent in in their lives. Um. So, I mean, that's why you get shitty, excuse me, subpar um, contractors. Well, and it also doesn't help here in Nashville. The market is so hot. You Man. could literally you could literally build dog crap, and that's an insult to my dog. You could mm. literally pop up some dog crap, and somebody will buy it. Yeah. And, and that doesn't incentivize quality. 
so also once the market turns, a lot of these builders and a lot of these contractors aren't going to be in business anymore. It's just a fact of the matter because um, they've right. they've gotten they've gotten fat during a, a massive boom and they've never actually had to make it through anything lean. So it is it right. is what it is on that front. But so let, let me ask you this: so for just for regular people, regular everyday folks, they're looking to get some granite. They're looking to you know uh, put put in a new island countertop, whatever. What are some things that you wish people knew about countertops and granite and things like that? That, that most people don't like what should people be looking for when they're shopping for these things um okay so one thing that you want to uh, customer will want to look at if they're looking for black material and they go to a granite shop and they and the granite shop has black material outside that's not they don't want to buy that material Why is because that? Black, black material outside it's it'll sun fade any of the uh especially black material it's sun fades, so it's not truly black like it should be. So that gives you an idea of the care that the company takes of the material that they have. You know, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, um, so, like, at our shop, um, we have p black pieces outside, but remnant pieces. This is just little scrap stuff. But all of our nice black marble and granite, all of our high-quality stuff is inside. And we, we actually, our inventory here, we have some of the most exclusive and exotic material in Nashville at our location. I, I, I can vouch for that. We have material here that you can't find probably anywhere in this country. Mm, why is that? Um, because these guys, these old guys here that, that had the company before me or that were running it, they went and handpicked. They were from Italy. So they went to the quarries in Italy and Brazil. They, they went there personally. And some of these guys who owned the quarries were their good friends. So they got great deals on the material. And they got picked of material from quarries that were about to shut down back mm. in the day. Uh, so you can't get the material anymore because they shut the quarries down. Interesting. Yes. What what about when it comes to you know different types of I know you pretty much deal in in granite but you know there's cheaper option cheaper cheaper options out there I mean why would why would somebody pick one option over another of like the type of material that they use um, Well it depends on the function that they're going to be using it for um, like I, I love the natural material that's we promote a lot of natural material here. Um, it, it it all depends on what they're going to be, the purpose that they're going to be using it for. Is it in the bathroom? Is it a, a butler's pantry? Is it a laundry room? Is it a utility uh, sink? Is it a uh, kitchen, you know, a huge kitchen? Is it a small kitchen? You know, do you entertain? These are, I ask a lot of probing questions when customers come in to find out what would suit them best uh, for mm. for for their application of the material. Um, so if you're uh, a large family, you got teenagers, um, and they're always in the kitchen, I would suggest something a little bit more durable, like quartzite. It's a natural stone, and it's extremely durable, more durable than granite. Um, or or quartz. Quartz is a manufactured stone, and it's scratch-resistant, stain-resistant, like what you have in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. I would recommend something like something like that. Um, for its durability, you know, because you're going to have a lot, if there's going to be a lot of traffic, like, you know, teenagers come into a kitchen, they really don't, they have no regard to uh, spills or messes that they make sometimes. So 
uh, it'd be a kind of a pain if you have these expensive marble countertops that absorb stains and you get these teenagers coming in and they scratch it all up and stain it all up. And it's, it's almost, it's like a waste. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But, but no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, the cheaper options, uh, I mean, other than granite would, would be of course, like for Micah or Corian countertops. Um, but we have very, I mean, there's some very inexpensive granite out there and we, we have some here at our location. Uh, so it's, it's, it's almost, it, it could be kind of comparable and it's a matter of what you want. You get what you pay for. If you want cheap, you, you can, you, we, we, we have, I, I hate to say cheap. I like to say, uh, less expensive, um, or break them down in group A, group B, group C, group C being the most expensive and group yep. A being the least expensive. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if customers have, they want an alternative to a high-end material, I, I, I have it here. So we, we, we do well to taking care of people like that. So how can folks get a hold of you if they're in Nashville and they're looking for somebody to work on, on some, some countertops, some granite, et cetera? Um, well, we're located on 4th Avenue South uh, in downtown Nashville. Um, and it's Italian granite and marble. Um, they can con our web page right now, our website is not up to date, but it has the information on it uh, as far as uh, some of the inventory uh, contact information, things like that. But I'm more of a, I'm more of a people person. I like the people to come down. I like people to come down to the shop. That way they can see what we have. It's, I hate to send, I hate to send pictures or show pictures online because it doesn't really do the material justice. Yeah, it, it does. Is, you can. Is your Facebook and social media up to date with like contact info as well? Yes, yes, yes. The Facebook, it's uh, just Italian granite and marble on Facebook, um, and I have uh, videos and pictures posted of me working and uh, work that's been done. Um, so yeah, anyone can go check us out on Facebook. Um, and that's just something that I do myself um, because they weren't doing anything like that here. Um, so I, I just do a lot of that on social media and word of mouth. And I, I go field field market. I go to construction sites and try to talk to contractors and stuff like that. Cool. Well, I'll uh, I'll link the website and your contact info and all that in the show notes. Uh, we're coming up on time over here, but um, there's one question I always ask folks at the end of every single episode, and that's if uh, – if you could go back to 18-year-old you, knowing everything that you know now about yourself and life in general, what's one piece mm -hmm. of advice you'd give yourself? Well, it's two and one. Invest wisely and never get married. <laughs> <laughs> Invest wisely and never get married. I'm sure there's a lot more story there that we could unpack. That's not for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm an artist also, so people can check out my paintings on uh, Paintings by Los on Facebook also. Okay. What kind of, what kind a, of, uh, what kind of paintings do you do? I do a, a, a lot, little bit of everything uh, except for portraits. I do some, like, scenic portraits. I do a lot of abstracts. Some of my stuff is a little weird. It's because it's, it's an expression. I'm expressing myself is all that is. I'm not doing – I don't paint for anybody. I paint for myself. And I, again, I started painting, I started painting this year. 
I started painting. Well, I've only been painting one year, and people think that I've been painting for like five or six years. So, well, paintings by Lowe's on Facebook. Well, I'll make sure to put that in the in the description as well. That way, folks can check it out. All right. Awesome. Well, Carlos, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, like I said, you did. I mean, for anybody listening, he did a great job for us. I really enjoyed working with him. He was uh, he was awesome on that front. Uh, for everybody listening, check out the description. Uh, go visit his website if you're in Nashville and you need some work done. Reach out to him. Um, for everybody listening, millennial-manhood.com. If you want to reach out, got questions, want us to want us to email somebody. Info at mmfcip.co. If you have constructive criticism, keyword constructive, don't just complain. Offer a solution. You can reach out to us as well. And uh, outside of that, we'll talk to you guys soon.